Greetings, friends and brethren in the Lord. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries coming to you from downtown Wheeling, West Virginia, and I welcome you with exceedingly great joy. Well, we are continuing part two of the series entitled Truth, Light, and Love, Breaking the Power of Deception. So last week, we started a series on the epistle of 1 John. And I really hope that you hang in there with me because this is going to really help you mature quickly and grow into an oak of righteousness planted in the Lord. I really believe that this will probably be one of the most important series of teachings that I'm going to be doing for 2017. So I really want you to commit to following this broadcast and, you know, just remember that if you miss a program, you can catch the podcast on the website, www.pureheart.today, and that is one word, pureheart, lowercase letters, dot today. And then when you get to the website, click under media. Now, last week, I started by sharing the reason John was compelled to write 1 John. And uh, by the way, I'm a little under the weather, so I may be taking a sip of water as we go along, so I just don't cough into your ear uh, this entire time. But John had to combat the many heresies that were entering the church And today, what I want to do, what I want to accomplish today is finish the beliefs of spiritualism that certainly exist today, as well as talk to you about universalism. Now, what I want to do to begin is to review quickly about Gnosticism. And the reason I'm taking this time to explain to you these different heresies is because when you understand the heresy, you will then begin to understand why John wrote what he wrote in the epistle of 1 John. Now, Gnosticism was a belief that matter was evil and spirit was good. In essence, sin wasn't a consideration And no matter how gross the sin was, you see, they believed that the body was evil. And, you know, that was a given. And so that wasn't important. If you sinned with your body, no big deal. Not important. Because to the Gnostics, real life only existed in the spirit realm. Now, one of the most important things about Gnosticism was that they denied the incarnation of Jesus Christ and his death and his resurrection. They believed that Christ's body was just a spirit, that his body was not human flesh, and that he only appeared to be born, to have lived and suffered And they could not tolerate, nor could they accept, the scripture, John 1, um, 
14 that says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. You see, because Christ, according to the Gnostics, did not have a human body. Period. So there were some heresies that even went as far to say that it was not Christ who suffered on the cross, but Simon of Cyrene, who you and I both know was constrained to carry the cross. And they believe that he was mistakenly crucified in Christ's stead. And the belief was that Simon received Jesus' form, and Jesus returned to Simon's form and thus stood by and laughed. And that Simon was crucified, and Jesus returned to his father. These are very serious heresies. And it's very, 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 very important that you understand where these people were coming from. Because, you see, as these heresies were coming forth and infiltrating the church, they continued on for hundreds of years, even into thousands of years later. What I want you to remember is this. This is key, okay? If Jesus didn't have a real body, as the Gnostics believe, then he couldn't have been crucified on the cross, correct? And if he switched places with Simon of Cyrene, again, then he, Jesus Christ, was not crucified on the cross, So you see how distorted this heresy is, which is kind of crazy in one respect, because it seemed as though at least they touted that they followed the scriptures. But you can clearly see from what I'm sharing with you that they obviously did not follow scripture. Because if Jesus didn't become flesh, then obviously he was not born of a virgin. Now, what if he's not, if Jesus was not crucified on the cross, what does that mean for you and me? Well, this is what it means it means if there was no Jesus in the flesh, then he could not be our substitution. He could not pay the ransom for our redemption. If there was no Jesus in the flesh, then there was no shedding of blood, no crown of thorns pricking his scalp and head, no nails in his feet and hands, no blood being being, um, uh, shed from the piercing with a sword of his side. So without the shedding of blood, of Jesus' blood, then there would be no remission or removal of sin. So let's look 
and see what Jesus clearly states in Matthew 26, 26 through verses 28. So Matthew 26, if you have your Bible with you and you have, I'm in the King James, uh, excuse me, I'm in the New King James Version. This is how it reads. And as they were eating, and just so you know the context, it's Passover. Jesus is seated at the table with his disciples. And he said, and it says, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to his disciples. And this is what Jesus said. He said, take, eat. This is my body. Okay, now let me stop there. Think back to what I just shared with you about the Gnostics who did not believe that Jesus had a physical body. In other words, he just appeared in a spirit form, okay? They don't believe he's had a body. But he says here, take, eat. This is my body. Symbolic of what was going to take place on the cross. And even Paul said this, as he paraphrased uh Jesus, this is my body broken for you. Verse 27 says, then he took the cup. He, Jesus, took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Now, folks, this is important. Jesus is saying, first of all, this is my body broken for you. So Jesus himself believed he had a human body. Then he says, this is my blood of the new covenant shed for the remission of sins. So Jesus knows he's going to the cross. He knows that he's going to give his life. He knows that there's going to be shedding of his blood. If, according to the heresies, Jesus had had no material body, then he could not suffer physically, right? And that would leave us damned into a Christless hell with no hope. No hope for eternal life. Life would merely be futile. Life would be without hope, without purpose, with no ability to be reconciled to our Heavenly Father, leaving us to rot in our sins. But hallelujah, Paul teaches in Romans 5, verses 8 through 10, he writes this, But God demonstrated his own love toward Christ. I'm sorry, but God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, 
we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Notice the words, having been justified by his blood. So we were made righteous by his blood. Folks, if there was no shedding of blood, we could not be made righteous. You have to understand this. If there's no shedding of blood, there is, there is no redemption, there is no justification, and we will not be made righteous by his blood. But through his death, we become reconciled to the Father. Now, if he didn't have a physical body, he's not going to be reconciled. Excuse me. If he doesn't have a physical body, he's not going to die on the cross. But because of his death, Paul says we become reconciled to the Father. So we have to understand Jesus' blood cleanses us from sin. Jesus' blood makes us righteous. Jesus' blood says that we are no longer guilty and we are no longer enemies of God, doomed to experience his wrath because the blood has reconciled and restored us to our heavenly father. Does that make sense? So imagine if you are John and you are made aware of these heresies, you know, they would put you in a tailspin if, and I say if, you were not grounded in the truth. And John is um, determined. He's got a purpose to make sure that the believing church knows the truth about Jesus Christ, his birth, his um, suffering on the cross, his death, um, his burial, his res- ascension, uh, resurrection and ascension. Now, the writer of Hebrews confirms the belief in the fact that the blood had the power to obtain our eternal redemption. You see, you know I've taught you that the word is the truth and it is our plumb line and we have to look to the word. So Hebrews, you can turn to chapter 9, verses 11 through 15. And this is what the writer of Hebrews says. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Wow, that's a little mouthful, but again, it's the word of God confirming to you and I that it wasn't the blood of 
of goats and calves that redeemed us. It was with the precious blood of Jesus Christ when he entered the most holy place once for all, having that blood scattered on the mercy seat, having obtained eternal redemption for you and I. See, his blood, his blood obtained our eternal redemption. So the Gnostics are saying Jesus didn't have a human body. He was just a spirit. He just floated around. No, Jesus was the um, incarnated, uh, you know, son of God. He came in the flesh. He was born of a virgin. And he lived on this earth for three years He died on the cross a horrible death for the wrath of mankind so that we would be reconciled to our Heavenly Father. He was reconciling reconciling mankind to the Father at the same time appeasing the wrath of God. So if there is no human body, if Jesus didn't have a human body... If there was no cross, if there was no shedding of blood, then there's no remedy for sin. Do you see and understand the fallacy of this teaching? I am trying to help you lay a strong foundation in your understanding of the cross. Because, folks, if there is no cross, there is no hope for healing. We would just languish in our sicknesses and possibly die an early death. Without the cross, we would have no power over Satan, our enemy, our adversary. And personally, I don't want to think what it would be like to believe in this heresy. So let me conclude this program with talking about spiritualism. Now, spiritualism sounds kind of Christian. It attracted many followers who were unhappy with the established churches. Now, Paul refers to religious belief systems, listen carefully, religious belief systems that deny the truth of the gospel the atonement for sins through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, as Paul says, quote, having a form of godliness, but denying its power in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. And then verse 5, this is what Paul warns us. He says, and from such people turn away. You see, many spiritualists attend Sunday services, they sing hymns, they worship a single God. But I want to be very clear. Spiritualism and Christianity are not compatible belief systems. Why? Because spiritualists receive direction not from the Holy Spirit, but from spirit guides. 
And Scripture warns us in Leviticus 19.31, which says, Give no regard to mediums and familiar spirits. Do not seek after them to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Leviticus 20, 6 and 7 says this, And the person who turns to mediums and familiar spirits to prostitute himself with them, I will set my face against that person and cut him off from his people. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Deuteronomy chapter 18, (coughs) excuse me, verses 10 through 11. There shall not be found among you anyone, verse 11, who conjures spells or a medium or a spiritist or anyone who calls up the dead. For to do these things is an abomination to the Lord. You see, (coughs) spiritualists, call up the dead to speak to their loved ones. And you may be familiar with a television program during the daytime. I'm not going to mention the individual lady's name where um, people want to speak to their loved ones. You know, they're still grieving and they want to talk to their loved ones. And so this individual helps them connect to their dead loved ones. That is a no-no. Okay, so spiritualists call up the dead to speak to their loved ones. They engage Ouija boards, seances, and mediums. In fact, there's been a show on television in the evening. And, you know, to be honest, I'm not even familiar with any more of the sitcoms and things on TV, but it was called The Medium, I believe. Again, Let me be clear. Let me be very, very clear with you. These are encounters with demons. When you engage in any of these things, calling up the dead, Ouija boards, seances, mediums, you will encounter demons who will intentionally deliver false information or they will give you enough truth to deceive you into believing that it's good and okay. And I want to say, wrong, wrong, wrong. I'm giving a very strong warning to you. Dabbling in spiritualism or the occult opens the door for demonic attack, harassment, and even demonic possession. This is serious stuff. These are things that you not you do not want to dabble in in any way, shape, or form. And let me say, if you have and you are a Christian, just repent before the Lord. If you own a Ouija board or anything that has to do with the occult, tarot cards, burn them and repent of them. Get them out of your home. Get them as far away from you as possible. 
Don't just throw them in the garbage can. Burn them. There are other things like Reiki, healing, acupuncture, or any form of Eastern mysticism that is forbidden, that is not of the Holy Spirit, okay? Now, the last heresy that I want to share with you is an ancient one that actually is very alive today, and it's called universalism. And in a nutshell, this is what they believe. They believe that everybody's going to be saved. Well, according to them, there is no hell, as the Bible describes. Hell is here on earth while we're alive. There is an overemphasis on the love and compassion of God, but they neglect the righteousness and justice of God. Now, Jesus himself says in Matthew 25, 46, he says, and these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. You know, some of the people involved in this cult even believe that those in hell will cease to exist. Like, they'll just disappear. But the Lord himself confirms that hell will last forever. In Matthew 25, 41, this is what Jesus says. Then he will say to those on his left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And in Mark 9, verses 43 through 44, Jesus describes hell as a fire that shall never be quenched, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. So I'm here to tell you that belief in universalism directly contradicts scripture. And this belief system right now has thousands of followers in America. There are actually megachurches, and it's called the Emerging Church. So if you get invited to a church that's an emerging church, please say no thank you. If you get into a church that's an emerging church, you're never going to hear about hell. You're going to hear about the love of God. It's going to sound very, very nice and sound very, very good. I assure you, it is from hell. Get out as fast as you can. Be discerning. Listen to the Spirit. Listen to the voice of God. I urge you with great caution to avoid these churches, spiritualist churches and emerging, the emerging churches. And, you know, even locally where I live, there is a, there is a church, there is a spiritualist church, and they speak to the dead and they call up the dead. These churches are all over the United States. So I urge you with great, great, great caution 
to be very careful about where you uh, become a part of a fellowship. And um, as we delve into 1 John, and next week we will be starting in the scriptures of 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 1, you're going to begin to understand why John wrote what he wrote right from the get-go. It'll become very clear because now you have a background. Now you understand what was going on in the churches at the time that he was alive. And obviously they did not die. You know, these demonic uh, spirits and these um, teachings just kept being forwarded into centuries and thousands of years later. So I really, really caution you and hope that you will follow this uh, series that I'm sharing on 1 John. This is a very important epistle, very, very foundational for you. So, um, you know, and also I want you to sign up for the newsletter on our um, website, www.pureheart.today. Sign up for the newsletter. I was going to have it come out in January. We're still working on the format, but it will be out February 1st. So I'm very excited about that. And I just encourage you to sign up for the newsletter. Email me, contact me if you want prayer for healing. I am tickled pink to pray for you. Well, with that, I'm looking forward to seeing you and speaking with you again. This is Dawn Noble. Shalom, shalom, peace unto you.